This was brought to you by The Storyteller on YouTube and Facebook. Moments later, two gypsies emerged from the bushes at the side of the track. Both were young people, but older than me, and they were introduced. Lazzie was a boy of about 16, and wearing a fine suit of rags, torn jacket, torn shirt, torn and overshort trousers, a floppy hat, and he had bare feet. His black locks hung down to each side of his face, brushing his shoulders. He gave me a low bow, and I began to wonder if this was a normal gypsy custom here, because it never happened in England. With him stood a most beautiful young woman, his sister Petal. Like Lazzie, her feet were bare though only just visible under a long flowing red dress with what looked like blue dahlias imprinted in the design all over. She wore a loose orange-yellow blouse buttoned tight to the neck, as is the style of all respectable gypsy women, and her beautiful shiny black hair was adorned with a strange covering which looked like a cross between an old-fashioned headscarf and a red cap. I learned later that they were twins, though you would never have guessed it. Petal gave me a modest hug. I found their Romani language hard to understand, and they knew not a word of English nor I Slovakian, but this made me realize how unusual Vanta was, since his Romani speech was much more like that of an English gypsy, but he was too young to have been an adult in the 1904 party in England. As we walked, my distant cousins tried to tell me their versions of Romani language for different things, trees, and their names animals, flowers, and lots more. After about 30 minutes, I was beginning to remember some of them when Lazius IG annulled us to stop. He gave a two-note double whistle like Vanta's earlier, but then immediately repeated it twice more. In response, I heard a cuckoo cry, then a host of young children burst from the woods like elves round us, shouting and tugging at our clothes. Vanta shouted at them, these are our family, Leave them, leave them, but they were doing nothing harmful, and were obviously just very excited to see us. Two small girls gripped my hands, one at each side, and jabbering unintelligibly tugged me off the track and down a broad pine needle path. A small boy had hold of Granny's hand, despite her scowl, whilst several class deterred round Vanta, Petal and Lazzie like excited puppies. They are the cavalry, Vanta called to me, moving more slowly than my little side engines allowed me. Dangers come to gypsy camps, people wanting to harm us. It is their job to charge out at visitors, to ask them questions, and to put people off who have not come for the right reasons so they trouble us no further. But we are not trouble, children, not us. I was tugged into a clearing in the forest. Of course, I was used to gypsy ways, but this was so different from my English relatives. The six wagons were all very shabby and battered looking, and only one would have stood a second glance from my English gypsy relatives back home. No dogs barked, in fact I only saw two scruffy things which looked like they might be relatives of Uncle Vanta's cur. I could see only one horse, tethered at the edge of the clearing but there obviously had to be more somewhere. In the center of the clearing stood one large cooking fire with several pots and kettles clustered round it. This in fact was only one of three really familiar things to me, though with the number of people there were here, 
there would have been several fires had we been in such a camp in England. The second was the large number of hens which seemed to run hither, and thither everywhere, or which perched on wagon steps and roofs. The third, not quite so common in England, three nanny goats tethered at the edge of the clearing, their bags obviously bursting with milk. But the enormous difference was the way the people dressed. I was used to Granny, her apparel marking her out from the rest of the women in England and yet not so dissimilar as to be strange. Granny V almost always dressed the same so that when she changed her clothes, it was simply into a clean version of what she had taken off. Unlike the other women in the camp, and more like her English kin, she sported a headscarf tied tight round the chin. Her dress was long, almost touching the floor and always dark green. On her feet was a pair of black lace-up boots such as a laborer might wear. Her blouse was simply a piece of hessian sackcloth, but over this she sported a long dark green cloak with two hoods, one for her head, and the other for putting in anything useful which she found on her travels, or any bits of food she had managed to beg. Under her green dress were several thick petticoats, the outer of which concealed at the front, two massive and useful pockets in which she held an array of items she just might find useful, as the day wore on, I never discovered the full range, but over the next couple of years I witnessed small scissors, string, red ribbon, a rabbit snare, a twist of salt, two bandages, a little jar of some sort of ointment, a licorice root, several lucky charms, and various others I cannot now recall. Many women, of course, are very strict about modesty, but it never troubled Granny to lift the front of her green dress a few inches to get at the pockets as her legs remained discreetly covered under all the petticoats. People here dressed differently. This was brought to you by The Storyteller on YouTube and Facebook. Listen to our podcast on any of these platforms. Anchor. Breaker. Overcast. Pocket Casts. Radio Public. Spotify. Support us on Patreon. And check us out on Discord. All the links can be found in the video description below. We thank you for your participation. If you enjoyed please like, subscribe, share, make comments. We love feedback.